The First Butterfly, Episode 2 A novel written by Jason Calibre, narrated by Chris Bander. Chapter 1 March, 2002 Keith Sinclair stepped off the elevator and into the online investigations department of Trans Worlds Networking's downtown Los Angeles office building. He breathed in the combined scents of burnt coffee, microwaved food, and copier toner, all remains from the night shift. Now in the early morning, he listened to the familiar sounds of other daytime workers complaining about fresh stacks of uncompleted paperwork on their desks and neighbors greeting each other over partitions as he walked to his cubicle. At 35 years old, he was not fresh out of college like the other office drones. He was well aware when he started his new career that he would not completely fit in with the other personnel. Instead, he was at least 10 years older, tall and thin, with medium-length blonde hair parted in the middle and combed back so it hung over his collar. His clothes, black slacks, dress shirt, and dark blue suit jacket, were also out of place and better suited for a more formal work environment. When he arrived at his cubicle, he nodded at a younger person named Tim Skibby on the other side of the partition. Good morning, Pops. Nice suit jacket, Tim said. Morning, Tim. Nice t-shirt, Keith replied with a frown. He realized that he was the oldest person here, but he did not feel old. His reaction caused a grin on the other's face to broaden. This had become a game between them. Over the course of a year, they exchanged subtle and not-so-subtle insults, but they both knew it was in jest. Tim ratcheted the sarcasm up a notch. Hey, I didn't mean to offend. Don't worry about it. Besides, it's getting warm enough that I'll lose the jacket any day now. Keith looked at the kid's cubicle. The toys scattered around it made a sharp contrast to his more spartan surroundings. Tim had model cars and action figures but Keith's desk possessed only a computer, along with a stapler and a container filled with paper clips. I'm not worried. It's nice to see someone not caving into fashion. Tim lowered his voice before continuing. I hear the boss has been checking up on us. Connie always does that when she's getting ready to promote someone. She also checks up on people she's going to fire. Keith added, rolling a toy race car across Tim's desk. He wondered how much checking she had done. He loved this job, and there were things he did not want her to discover. Among them was his losing his previous employment and marriage because of a drinking problem. He worked hard, putting in extra hours, learning a new profession. Keith stayed sober, found a new career, and paid the alimony on time. But that would not change his past. You don't think she'd fire me? Tim asked, interrupting his thoughts. You may not believe it, but I do take this job seriously. She might be concerned with your performance, Keith said, eager to move the conversation away from himself. Just because you got lucky with identifying a few criminals and are not worried doesn't mean you need to be a dick. I need this job. Relax. I'm sure her taking an interest is nothing but good news. Yeah, you're right. I probably don't have any reason to stress, but maybe you're doing too well. She could think you're after her job. I'm not after anyone's job. I only want to do my work. 
Connie doesn't have any reason to worry where I'm concerned. Keith insisted. I don't know. Look, if you're worried and she comes over here looking angry, just play dead until it's over. Keith said and turned towards his desk. Tim laughed. Seriously, that's the best advice you can give? Thanks. Well, you could come back on time from your breaks instead of shaving an extra five minutes off the clock. Well, you could get a haircut. Long hair went out of style around the same time as your suit. Nice. Keith replied before turning and draping his jacket over the back of his chair. It hung there, old, dark blue, seeming out of place, and he considered getting rid of it. Then again, it felt wrong to be working in an office during winter without it, even in sunny Los Angeles. He sat down and began his work routine. Reaching up, he turned on the computer in front of him, typed in a few lines of code, and his monitor flooded with bright colors. Soon his entire focus was on the virtual world of his company's online game, Glimmer Epic 3. He guided the computer character named Lucky Lady under a cloud of butterflies dancing in the air above a simulated jungle clearing. Her name, spelled out in green letters, hovered overhead as a voluptuous woman with striking green eyes made her way around clumps of flowers and over a thick purple lawn. She stopped next to a group of people that had gathered there. At the top right corner of the computer screen, a file appeared containing information on the avatars and their registered owners. Keith scanned its contents, looking for anything out of the ordinary, before returning his attention to his avatar. Lucky Lady had become a champion at attracting the most criminals in his employer's section of cyberspace. Keith's employer created his job in response to a negative news story. It described how online predators used Glimmer Epic 3 to entice victims into rendezvous in real life. Keith worked undercover online, searching for potential criminals and gathering evidence to prevent similar situations from occurring. For now, business was good. Early into his shift, Keith had collected evidence, forwarded it to the LAPD Cyber Crimes Division, and had a predator banned from the game. Later in the afternoon, his avatar was taking a final stroll across the jungle clearing when someone in the game greeted him. Hey there, sweet thing. Good work eliminating that monster this morning. A player named Cutter Mike texted. The message worried Keith. It could be a veiled reference to his earlier work. Hey yourself. You know a lady never brags, Keith said. He followed this up with a command for Lady to wiggle and wave in Cutter Mike's direction. Cutter Mike responded, Without your sword, the troll would have murdered the whole group. Thanks. Keith relaxed. His cover was secure. Part of his job consisted of keeping his online persona real. Earlier, he joined other players in a quest to defeat a troll. His avatar delivered the death blow, saving the rest of the team from a virtual beating. Still in character, Keith replied, No problem. I like group activities. To this double entendre, he added commands for his avatar to laugh and blush. Lady jiggled while Keith enjoyed the view and silently thanked the programmers who enhanced his avatar's appearance. Without replying, Cutter Mike dissolved off the screen as his user logged out. This time no one took the bait. Keith reflected that whoever was behind the persona most likely would not be a concern of his. The good people engaged in small talk and occasional flirting, but broke off the conversation when it headed into sketchy territory. Right now, only one player, a familiar one just entering the game, remained who attracted his attention. 
God's girl walked across the clearing with her avatar's long robes flowing in the virtual wind. Something struck him as false, and he expected trouble. There were several things which by themselves were no problem, but together they indicated a potential lawbreaker. First, it was likely that the actual user could be male. This was because most people he stalked hid their gender as well as their offline identity. Secondly, the name had religious connotations, which was another ruse sometimes used by criminals to hide ill intentions. Most importantly, the stats that Keith pulled up demonstrated that she was one of the game's most successful players, but she did not openly interact with other people in the game. This did not feel right. It seemed that she was working hard to keep her activity unnoticed. He had Lady approach. Hi, girl. Missed you this morning. He typed while adding a command for his avatar to pout. He waited for a response, but there was none. Keith checked the communication status on his computer. God's girl received the message, and she had an open channel to reply. Despite this, just as in every other instance where he encountered this person, she did not respond. He tried again. I'm building a team to go after the troll again tomorrow. I'd like to play with you. Why don't you join us? Lady giggled and smiled at the other player. Still, there was no reply. Instead, girl turned her back to him, walked to the edge of the clearing, and dissolved off the screen. No offense. I still think you're hot. See you later. Keith typed for the benefit of the other players watching the chat channel. Someone tapped him on the shoulder, and a male voice behind him said, She decided that you'll have the cubicle next to mine. You're going to be right outside her office. His concentration on the game broken. Keith logged out and turned around in his chair. A nondescript office worker smiled at him. Whose office? Connie Lopez. Our boss. The man said, as if dealing with someone who is mentally deficient. Should I consider that a promotion or a punishment? Keith responded. His name could be John Lancaster he thought absent-mindedly. Promotion, of course. Do you need help moving your stuff? Just show me where it is. I can take it from there. Keith barely finished moving and settled into his new cubicle when Connie called out through her office's open door. Hey, Keith, it's almost five o'clock. Why don't you let the company buy you dinner? There's a good Italian restaurant near here. Sticking his head above his cubicle's partition, he could see through the open door of an office to where his boss sat behind her desk looking young and tan with her long brown hair spilling over her shoulders and flashing a bleached white smile at him. Despite her formal business attire, the air of authority that she exuded, and the fact that Connie was one of the smartest people in the division, she struck him as looking like a typical Southern California surfer girl. Now she was waving a corporate credit card at him. He knew this was no casual invitation for a date. Although he avoided social interactions with people from work, he realized that there really was no choice other than to accept. Sure, but how about Chinese? He countered, hoping her well-known dislike of that food would cause her to take back the invitation. Connie frowned for a moment, typed something into her computer, and then returned her attention to him. With a smile, she pushed aside a long strand of hair that fell across her face. No problem. You can follow me in your car. There are some people I'm supposed to meet tonight, Keith said not wanting to tell her that he had an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. This won't take too long, I promise. I'm sure your friends won't mind if you're a couple of minutes late. With no excuses left, 
he followed her out of the office. Besides, it could be that she had no ulterior motive other than congratulating him on his new promotion. Thank you for listening to The First Butterfly, Episode 2, Chapter 1. This episode was written and produced by Jason Calibre, featuring the voice talents of Chris Bander and Jay Cal. Cover art for the podcast and ebook provided by Nancy Aphrodite. Theme music, Sun Still Rises, provided by Wanderbeats. Please visit our website, thefirstbutterfly.com, for a complete list of attributions, links, and other information concerning this patio book. You can help support this podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. As always, we wish you all the best and look forward to sharing our next episode with you. Until then, have a wonderful week.